Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Cody Vadalato of J.R. Slayer and previously Blood Brothers. We talked about the killer's second album, Samstown, and about the myth of the sophomore slump. We also talk about learning to be more open-minded about music and trying to squash your ego so you can be a better musician, bandmate, and partner. Along with playing in Blood Brothers, Cody has also spent time in Waxwing, Jaguar Love, Head Wound City, and Cold Cave, just to name a few. His current project, J.R. Slayer, recently released their newest EP, Not Rotten, on Memory Music. So check that out right now, wherever you stream music. Don't forget to check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Honestly, don't want to miss out, so please subscribe. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment, reviews definitely help. Okay, let's chat with Cody. Hey, Cody, how's it going? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Actually, I just got home from a seven-mile run, so feeling pretty good. <laughs> Ooh, seven miles. <laughs> is that like a, so is that like a, are you a daily runner? Or uh, right right now, sort of. I'm I'm training for a half marathon, and I've never been a runner before. Mm-hmm. My, my wife actually got me into it, and so we're going to run the Malibu half marathon in a couple weeks, and so we've been doing this like, insane training for it that's like really advanced and she didn't tell me it was like the advanced one because she's just kind of been my coach and Mm. so it's been pretty hard to be honest i think we did a 14 mile run the other day wow were you like running before this not at this level but were you like yeah i I think during like the initial shutdown i I started running with her because she was an avid runner and i i could barely go a mile it was (laughs) it was hard really hard i i never really was thought i could be a runner or or anything like that and then now you know and i think without probably without the partner there to sort of push it along i don't know that i would have ever done something like this but it's definitely feels like an accomplishment uh to do something that i thought was impossible (laughs) i feel like it was like at i mean i i really slacked off for like uh six months maybe more but i Mm -hmm. the highest i got was like maybe up to like three miles but every increment that i progressed it just always felt just as hard dude bro it takes for, it takes forever before you're yeah. like oh okay like now i'm not scared of three miles because it took me like forever to be like i don't i can't do three that's that's crazy yeah. and then now like if we have like a five mile run or something i'm like ooh, okay like it doesn't it's like not scary to me although i still i don't think you like you barely feel like i really want to go do this yeah you know, okay you, you that, get, that feels good because i never want you get to. yeah i don't i mean there might be some people who are just like it really invigorates them the the idea of doing the run but i think it's more you you reach points of your run where you feel great and cathartic and amazing but otherwise it's just pain <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm just back i'm now back to the part where it's definitely not a struggle i can run a mile and it's not yeah. an issue but i feel like i'm like 
I'm just at the point where I've lost the three miles. I guess mm, I can push yeah, myself. Yeah, it goes like, away quickly, one mile's man. Kinda, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like one mile's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it, I did all this work and just stopped. Yeah, uh, it's know. definitely, it's a, it's a, you have to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, you have to do the maintenance, keep it up. It's like a, it's like a muscle, like anything. You just, if you don't, if you don't keep working it, you just, you lose it. Mm, yeah it's like that if you don't use it you'll lose it yeah <laughs> it's true though damn it is yeah it's like we'll like we'll like not run for like we'll want like if i get sick or something and i don't run it's like hard to start again like so yeah i think between i can't remember who it was maybe it was me or maybe it was an excuse it feels like yeah i'll get like a small injury and then it's I'd so never, it's it's so really easy to be like oh i stubbed my toe like i can't I, <laughs> I pinched my yeah. finger. I can't run. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, actually, today we're not talking about running. We're no. talking about The Killers' second album, <laughs> Sam's Town, that came out in 2006. That's mm -hmm. on Island Records, and the producer is Flood, and Alan Mulder yeah. assisted with the record. Uh, so he worked on, like, New Order U2, Nine Inch Nails, and, like, Gary Newman. Yeah. So with all that. Uh, when was the first time you ever listened to The Killers or this album? I mean, I think like many people, I, I found out about The Killers in the hot fuss sort of pandemonium. And at, at the time, to be honest, I was I was sort of in a phase where I was kind of stuck up and I, I was not down with it. Like, I did not think it was cool. Same. I was, you know, I, I, I really felt judgy about them and their whole thing. Um, and so I kind of brushed it off, to be honest. I, you know, I, I was played in a punk band and, you know, we were, we were too cool for school, which is weird because I loved Blink-182 and Weezer. You know, I was the person in, in the Blood Brothers that was probably mostly into that kind of stuff. But I remember Johnny Whitney, one of the singers, he was like obsessed with them when that record came out. And he, he loved it. And I just kind of remember I was rolling my eyes basically. And so I didn't, yeah. I didn't really, I didn't catch up with them until after Sa Sam's town was, was released, like probably a couple years later, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. I think the blood brothers had broken up Johnny and I started Jaguar love and he must've just forced me to listen to it on tour because I don't feel like I really got into it until probably more like 2008 uh after the fact and just kind of got obsessed with it uh, yeah i think my recollection with it was kind of a similar thing like i wasn't about it like it was just very like punk kid i think at that time basically if it wasn't like infest i wasn't really about it or something <laughs> you know? like if it wasn't fast punk i didn't give a shit um you know there were like exceptions and stuff but it's like with it being like a newer band it's like I, even though I, I was going to say it made me feel like it was like the strokes or something, but that's also a band that I've kind of realized, like, Oh no, I fucked up on that one. Yeah. They're incredible. You know, like, yeah. Well, yeah. But like at the time it was like, it wasn't punk or. Well, and know, also the I other, the other thing too, that I think that because of the way the world worked, you weren't, you didn't really know about things. So when a band was just all of a sudden, like fucking huge, I think there was something that was just kind of annoying about it. You're like, what the hell? But like you, if you find out later, like Hot Fuss is a bunch of demos, and no one wanted to release their record, and they were like slogging it out in Vegas, and 
you know, like being courted and, and being told that they weren't good by all these corp, corp like corporate record labels. And then eventually somebody took a chance on it and then it was hot fuss. Like they didn't re-record it. Yeah. They it's it's a demo. <laughs> and I, yeah. I I think it's it's I just find it so incredible uh, that that record, which which I love now, is and you can listen to it. It does not sound great. Like mm. in terms of I need of, to revisit it with in, that in, kind of in, like in, thinking. Yeah, in terms of um like Sonics or how well produced like some of their future albums got. I mean, it was certainly auto-tuned and things like that, but it definitely feels kind of a little bit more lo-fi or raw to me than, than some of their other stuff. Um, and so I just, I think that's so cool when that kind of thing happens where it's just yeah. like, it's such a fuck you to the music industry, which I just, I love that about them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe with that push, um, they might have i mean maybe they did this while recording but potentially maybe with like a bigger label coming in potentially they just kind of polished the top of it you know like i, I don't really yeah they know probably the actually i through looking kind of at the credits of um samstown i think alan Mulder may have mixed hot fuss okay i don't i don't know if that's maybe where their relationship started but yeah they definitely i'm sure that that whoever mixed that probably had to do some some work to make it sound smooth and and big and compress it. Yeah, um, yeah. I know the kind of relationship with like Flood and Alan. Uh, one of the things I read was like they worked on like a Jesus and Mary Chain record, and then Alan was like, "I don't really want to work with him again." But then they just kept working together. Again. Was it was it automatic? Because I I think I, so. Yeah, yeah, which is my favorite my favorite one. Um, <laughs> so that's yeah. that's interesting so this was the their first time coming back together uh, i'm not i think they had since then but i think it's funny to kind of be on paper being like yeah i didn't like the process but <laughs> then it's like i feel like i always see their names together yeah you know like they're often you know yeah someone named flood i can't remember his real name i think it's like mark no i think it's, <laughs> i think that's by design though yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, it's a, it's interesting just being a guy, well, flood, but also a guy named Bob rock, you know, like going around being Bob rock. Is that I'm like, is that his real name? Maybe it is his real mm -hmm. name, but that's insane. If I so. mean, probably it was like a nickname or something that, that just stuck. Cause I can't yeah. imagine you would ever be like, I'm going to give myself this kind of name. Like, mm -hmm. Because yeah. I always remember kind of like wanting to make fun of the edge in you too, just like who calls themselves the edge. But I, I think his friends just gave him that that name because of his nose and it just stuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, could you imagine me like, I'm gonna call myself rectifier? Like yeah. if you're not if you're not like a rapper or something. Like, yeah, I, I or... remember as like a as like a little kid, I wanted a nickname. And I feel like people used to have nicknames more than they do nowadays. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I remember like it was like first grade or something being like, oh, I didn't realize how <laughs> nicknames work. I don't know why this popped in my head. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, call me Golden Eagle. You know, to, <laughs> like good. I was like, that sounds cool. Yeah. You know, I didn't know. It was like there's certain sort of things that you, you know, there, there's kind of like a few nicknames you pick like mm -hmm. in in the 90s it was like something with luv at the end so it was like yeah you know like uh like my stepbrothers were like fred love and ted love yeah you know and i i think they gave themselves their nicknames um so that's why i thought you gave yourself your nickname that's but so funny i know I, that it's usually the case that you don't give yourself your nickname. i had a nickname in the early days of blood brothers they called me coach um and <laughs> i think it's because i 
I come from Texas and I, I grew up playing football and I think I just always had a little bit more of like a, I don't want to say like a bro mentality, but I, I think mm-hmm. like just at, at a younger age, I still like kind of had like that sort of like, I'm going to boss people around and tell people what to do. And so they started calling me yeah. coach. Um, but that didn't last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I feel like when you get nicknames like that and like a band setting, they're not always endearing. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. kind of being a jerk to you, <laughs> but maybe you deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's like, I think in like a band setting though, it's like, of course, I feel like a lot of people in bands aren't often athletic. So it's like, if you bring an athleticism, I guess it's almost like a teamwork thing that you probably brought to the band that they (laughs) were like, no, we're like rabid animals. I'll call it that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go with that version. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I guess, yeah. So like going back into the record yeah. like i said i feel like i had a similar experience but i think my well my girlfriend at the time now my wife uh like put it on my ipod mm-hmm. you know hot fuss and yeah. i was like and i just listened to it because it was on there you only had like i mean a hundred different things but yeah you know we're talking like older ipods and so i was just like oh no this is good <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, and I was like, holy shit, I guess, you know, there's that interesting thing in like kind of pop culture situations that happen where there are just things that you feel like everyone likes and they got kind of brainwashed. But then there are things that everyone likes because it is actually good. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you know, and that's few and far between and kind of jumping ahead some. But I was I heard a lot of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And this record. Me and too. I think it's potentially of the time because mm-hmm. I feel like everyone was kind of, that was like a revival Getting of that. into that. Yeah. It definitely drew me to it yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised because I don't feel like I remember hearing so much Springsteen in the previous album. No, only in like maybe the, the production on the vocal and having like a slap or something on it. Like yeah. be, beyond that, it never really felt sort of like American grassrootsy or something. Yeah. And it's also interesting. Well, actually, when I say Springsteen, I, by extension, also means it sounds like meatloaf at times, <laughs> you know? I could see that because it's very theatrical. It's, yeah. it's, you know, that's that's one element of the band that I don't normally, I'm not that attracted to, but I mm-hmm. feel like they they have figured out a way to incorporate theater into rock and roll that, that doesn't feel cheesy to me or something. It's usually like a just straight up turn off. <laughs> yeah. Like when yeah, I hear it. Yeah. 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 And I guess just the kind of, so you know, the vibe going into it, I kind of, when this was one of the picks you gave because of that initial feeling, you know, mm-hmm. I usually have that kind of like that punk voice that turns on for a second, but kind of the point of this podcast, a lot of times is like, I want to go outside of my comfort yeah, zone yeah. and pick a thing and, try and listen to it with fresh ears but i was like i was like oh this is gonna be a test and then i will say like right from the beginning like right on sam's town you know i was like no i think i'm in and then kind of more than happens for this podcast like i feel like i probably listened to this record like it feels like like 20 times yeah you know yeah, like because i was like no i actually like this record a lot well, well and yeah. they the the intro to the album is it's it's amazing it's it's literally ronnie the drummer like hitting his snare drum and yelling the count into the downbeat of the song and it's like you could just like you you can feel like his 
his energy just like blasting and and he's like such a to me a big part he's like the lead guitar player almost in the band like and i just i've always really connected with his playing and i just feel every every hit you feel like you're like you can tell this person is just releasing all of themselves in it and that to me that whole album like just start to finish is like him just like punching you in the face <laughs> yeah and and it's just like that intro to me is big and epic and huge and and then it rocks and then it ends and then you go right into like you know like right into that interlude that it's like okay what's going on here because now we're in this like really mellow state and it's like almost like the first track was just a prelude to the what's going to come in this album and then they like reset and then like shotgun blast into when you were young like and, and then it's just like you're off from there I, I i think it's so cool i wonder if there was like a different cut of this album that potentially had the interlude first yeah like i yeah i i think that it would make perfect sense for it to start with that right like yeah. it, i mean if you're thinking conceptually but i i think it's so cool that they were like no we're gonna we're gonna put this song first and it's going to introduce this this album and kind of the sound that we're going with and and maybe shock people cuz i think they they must have known that it was risky the kind of record that they were making for them or maybe they didn't know i think they probably just were like oh we can explore finally you yeah. know like we're yeah. we we've actually have resources now and we could go in the studio and you know we're working with these producers that are probably heroes and I feel that they really encapsulated what I imagine they were trying to do, which was basically, in my mind, make a, a U2 Queen Bruce Springsteen album, like with throwing in notes of like Duran Duran and New Order, but having Keith Moon on drums or something. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think they really, they really did a good job. And they also have their undertones of like, big band and and almost circus stuff which is the parts that we were talking about the sort of more opera operatic things that i i, I normally find as turnoffs but they they incorporate them in a way that's just an undertone in my mind and it's 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 so cool yeah i feel like sometimes when records have done this in the past like the things they're referencing that might lose you or like personally lose me, uh, I feel like they go too far, not killers, but the mm -hmm. bands that they're kind of referencing go too far into it. Yeah. Like it kind of works for meatloaf because it's, it's, it's like its own silly thing. Yeah. You know, it is yeah. a play. That's yeah. what you sign up for. You right, know, like right. someone's going to crash a motorcycle kind of thing, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. but like, you know, so it's like you're either in or you're out, but mm -hmm. like, and I feel like those good Springsteen albums of that time frame are actually what I'm thinking about is like the who. Like sometimes mm -hmm. the who will go too far into a concept and yeah. then you're like, I'm kind of, you know, like when you get far into like Tommy, mm -hmm. you know, you're like, hey, this is a lot of like, you know, I, I'm just thinking of songs, even though it's not Tommy, I don't think, but like Squeezebox or something. You always get these things that are a little too much into the character yeah. of it. And it's like, it feels like times on this record, like on a lesser record, they would have kind of explored it more but mm -hmm. it doesn't need to it kind of leaves you with a feeling of it but yeah then you're out of it you know yeah. so they're quick to go into a vibe and then get you out of or it. or it'll be know? like it'll be just like the outro of a song on here and it's yeah. all of a sudden there's like horns and you know timpanis or something and it, it's like oh no is this going to 
where's this going? And it's actually just the end of the song. <laughs> yeah. And then it just whips you back. Into yeah. This yeah. Rock music. Yeah. yeah. So. And I really, I, I, I really love that they, the way that the guitars and the synthesizer talk to each other on, on the record to me is just one of it, it fascinates me because the guitar is so understated. Like mm-hmm. I, like I, I don't, I don't think about them being like a huge guitar rock band uh, but when I listen to this record, I mean, obviously the guitars are so like cool and and sharp and present. But if you listen closely, the synths that Brandon plays and they, they're they like the guitar lines are just like talking to each other, supporting each other. And I, I think it just ended up making a really cool sound. Yeah, I, I, I always like listening to like kind of seeing if a band did like late night performances around the time. And so mm-hmm. there was like a Letterman that they did with like. Uh, when you were young uh, they mm-hmm. played and just kind of like you're able to sort of see a band outside of the studio you know yeah. and a lot of times like late night shows aren't like super flattering because the sound's always kind of bad almost like snl yeah in a sense you yep. know same studio situation so i like kind of being able to take some of this away from them mm-hmm. but it was like they were super fucking tight they just bring it <laughs> and yeah and like also back to what you're saying like seeing how much was handled by the guitarist when I kind of think them as a more synthesizer yeah. heavy band. Like yeah. I don't in my head, don't think of them as like a guitar rock band mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that yeah. dude, that dude's incredible. Yeah. And, and just Dave, like, Dave Kuning, is it Kuning or Kuning? I don't know how to say his name, but, um, pro- yeah, props Dave to him. Kuning. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, really like, I can't think of anyone in this band that's like, there's no wink link. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, and that's the other thing is that the bass is on Sam's Town is like it's it's this crazy sort of brutal like distorted tone almost the whole time. It's like yeah, it's like whenever you get into those like bass and drum parts on the album, you can really hear like his tone is just like it's super tough, which I yeah. think is like an interesting juxtaposition for a, a band like them as well to have this like this backbone that's just like meaty and and hard (laughs) yeah i think it's like because they do kind of fit in my head sometimes they fit more into like a a, uh you know like a new wave-ish kind of thing Mm -hmm. is what i put them in yeah so yeah to see that kind of like that backbone being so much of like the uh but based in a different way, it's like it's like it's playing like it could be new wave, but then the you know how muscular it is, it just yeah. kind of brings it back into rock, and then kind of I guess two conflict two things I'm kind of thinking in my head is just mm-hmm. the idea that like I feel like you could almost listen to a record of this of just like bass and drum. Oh my god, and I I would love to inter- get the stems so for this record and just sit yeah. and listen to those two playing together. That would be killer. Yeah. But nothing kind of like. Fit. okay so when i'm listening to it i don't feel like they're like it's not like i don't know why i'm thinking of primus but it's like nothing hits you in a way that it's like oh it's that guy you know the drummer is really good but it still does seem like it serves a song yeah yeah he's he's interesting because i think he he really figured out a way to to be a drummer that plays parts all the time but somehow is not overplaying in the song because he's very flashy but i i think he's he's also just like I don't know. I feel like he's playing the guitar sometimes in, in the band. It's like the accents are are on the drums more than than the lead guitar at times. And but he definitely knows when to like just lay back in the cut and just like let the let the chorus happen. 
you know what i mean yeah which i think is cool so kind of going back to when you kind of first heard it or when you kind of realized oh i am a fan do you feel like you recall any of that experience i mean definitely definitely in those jaguar love touring days but one experience actually much later i think i like i had sort of left and come back was i I was on t- a tour with my brother Rocky Votolato. He's like a he's a folk musician, and mm-hmm. we would, I would sometimes hop in in the van with him and like go play guitar with him. And we were on a tour um, in 2014 on the West Coast. It was just him and I in a car, and we were driving venue to venue. And he was like telling me how he he just hadn't heard any rock music in a while that he loved. And I had recently kind of found Sam's Town again and was listening to it. And I was like bro, you got to listen. Have you listened to the killers? And he's like, no, not really. Like they were never really on his radar at all. And I put it on, we were leaving our hotel one morning and I, I put it in and it was just like, it's so cool because like, I remember so vividly like him reacting to hearing the intro of that record. And he like turned it up immediately. And then just like, he was obsessed. And so like, for me, I think that kind of it, it made me obsessed again with it. And so we listened to it like on repeat the entire time. And, and ever since then, like, it's, it's just been one of my like albums I would, I would take to, you know, the deserted Island if I had to choose like, yeah. you know, a few albums, it's definitely one on that list. And so I think for me, that's probably one of the, like, the most notable like experiences I, I remember, which is funny because it's like me showing it to someone else. So, you know, and he yeah. he'll he'll say today is like, dude, that like that record changed my life. And so it's it's like a bonding thing between him and I, where it's like I feel good because I showed him something that that you know really really meant, ended up meaning a lot to him, which is also cool because he introduced me to music in the first place when I was a kid, took me to my first jawbreaker show. And you know, without without me being obsessed with him at a young age, like showing me shit, it's cool to be able to like, hey, I showed you something too, big bro. <laughs> yeah. But and I I don't are you do you feel like you can recall kind of like the like what 2006 was like musically otherwise? Like if there is kind of the gym um so i think i had finally come around to hot fuss but i also just didn't go any forward i was just like okay i accept it this is good yeah but you weren't i you did were following my... it <laughs> no um but like i'm trying to think what else would have like come out around that time what was big then i mean i know fish scale <laughs> came out <laughs> um, that was a big one for for me but that's completely different i mean Show Your Bones by Yeah Yeah Yeahs came out in 2006. And okay. that, you know, I, I, I loved them at that time. So I was kind of more in like that kind of mindset, like more indie rock, more like mm-hmm. TV on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what else was like going on yeah, at that time. But I feel but... like they were also, they were kind of like sanctioned at the time. It was like, I feel like if I yeah. was like more into punk, I was like, you know, people I knew that liked TV on the radio, I was like, oh, you know, that's that's good. I'll let you have it kind of thing. Yeah. Like, definitely. I was very, like, gatekeepy, like, punk guy at the time. But there were certain things I was like, yeah, 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 those are cool. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, it's like killers were kind of, I think I was kind of coming out of that super close-minded kind of era mm-hmm. of uh, that punk will do. Yeah. And kind of putting a pin in that, I'm like, sometimes I think that being so into punk and those ideas of, like, I'm like, it kind of like 
ruined me in a way mm-hmm. you know for an era of time for as like as open-minded as i felt earlier there was like a period of time when you're like first starting to play in bands and things like yeah. that and you're like really forging your identity i think when you forge it too hard you're like all of this other stuff has to go yeah it's it's interesting that you have to go through those types of things to realize only to find that there's so much good stuff that you just thought was lame yeah 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 <laughs> you know that you, you, you miss out on so much cool stuff just based on trying to figure out your who you are and being like feeling insecure about you know if your friends are gonna think something's cool or if 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 you know what I mean? Why you're like, oh, people in my band, they don't, they're, they don't like this. So like, I'm not going to like it. Or it's like, even yeah. like at, at shows, you know, that you see young people looking around at a band that's a little bit different and see, to see if other people are liking it. And then if they do, they can kind of be like, okay, I like this. <laughs> or, yeah. or if not, then, you know, they'll be like, okay, I'll be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Even, I feel like it's like, I've, uh, I mean, I've probably been there for a few years, but you know, sometimes friends will come up to me when a band's playing and they'd be like, do you like this? And I feel like I've, you know, maybe it's been 10 years, but I'm like, yeah. no, this is good. Mm-hmm. You know? And they're like, okay. Okay. But yeah, you know, like as a yeah. kid, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as a kid, you know, you might be like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, you kind of like dodge the question kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know, it yeah. probably says a lot more about me, <laughs> than, <laughs> you know, but that was kind of like the feeling like, yeah. you know, kind of have to read the room of like, are y'all in the killers too? You know? Yeah. Kinda yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, you know? and, and I think it, you know, when you get older, you just, it, it, it's another like stupid saying, but you just don't care about as as many things as you once did. And you shouldn't, you know, I, I do think that there's something to be said for being young and feeling like I'm gung ho. This is my thing. Like, I don't like that. I like this. I only like this. Like yeah. there's something to be said for that as long as you grow out of it, hopefully. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I feel like the kind of thing that I find myself saying now uh and i feel like i've said it on this podcast but it's like it's like oh you know there's worse things but then eventually i'm like i don't even know like i'm forgetting what i hate anymore (laughs) like i'm just like that's cool you know like someone will be like i don't know like 21 pilots and i'm like there's worse things and it's Mm -hmm. like i don't you know i would have been you know like i don't i'm you would have been more judgmental yeah yeah and then like you're like oh no man they lied to me like like, you know, it's like most dance music is just really good. You know, like I feel like as a punk, it was like you weren't supposed to like techno. And then I'm like, yeah, no, nah, a lot of it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like y'all lied to me, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, I like think, that kind of thing. I know? think that there is something to be said for any type of of art or music that touches tons of people like there. There is something special about it. If it's if it's reaching that many people and you know, like I always think about back in the day with like new metal and all of that. And when the blood brothers were approached by Ross Robinson at first, we were kind of like, no way, bro. Like we, we hate all that stuff. That's the enemy. Like, I think it's so lame. And then now as I can look back, I'm like, damn, like whether or not you think it's cool or you respect it, like anything that can move that many people, uh, to me, I think is special and really cool. As long as it's not moving them towards hate, I think that yeah. that it's that it's very cool that you know something can just be there for that many people because that's what music is 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 it's it's a companion 
to your life, I think. And if you can create a song that reaches a hundred people or a million people or millions of people, like there, how can you not respect that? Like, even if you think dance music is lame or folk yeah. or, you know what I mean? Like black metal or whatever it is. Like it's, to me, it's, it's, it's the reason for living. <laughs> yeah. But y- y'all ended up, did y'all record with Ross Robinson? We did. Yeah, we did. Okay. I thought so. Yeah. 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 We ended yeah. up, we ended up going for it. Um, and it was definitely the, the, the best decision we could have ever made. Yeah. I know he pushes people really hard. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, talk to, I've, read some stuff where like Jeremy from Touche Amore mm-hmm. has talked about it and he's been on this podcast and he kind of brought it up in passing. Yeah. But I know from that experience and you know, it's kind of like, I think they, I mean, they were probably more of an age that they were like, Oh cool. New metal. But I think there was still kind of like, let's feel this dude out kind yeah. of thing. And so yeah. I know that however many, you know, the, however many years before it was, um, that y'all recorded like yeah, that that kind of feeling would have been more in place because he was like pretty fresh off of like yeah he he had taproot or something he had only you know, Deftones he, he had done at the drive-in which was like his in our mind oh, okay. save our saving grace like for like okay like you know we'll we'll check this out but you're you're right he does push and he he really just makes you he cares about your energy and makes sure that what you're doing is is pure and that that's yeah. that's the part that was really cool. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I know, like, thinking about, like, Brandon Flowers was saying that, that I guess the shift from the previous album into this one was that he didn't want so much, like, auto-tune on yeah. the vocals, and he yeah. was like, I want it to be me. And I wonder, because I'm like, he still sounds really good, you know? it's a, I mean, it is still a huge You're record. like, did so these fools, like, like, auto-tune him and just tell him they didn't? I don't know. I mean, I, like, you, you know, know what? You know what I think because I I've listened to the record with that in mind, and my guess is that because you can hear certain certain parts of the album where it's like, okay, this is very much like you can tell it's it's not doctored. Uh, hmm. Other times, I don't know. I feel like maybe it could have been doctored a little bit, but it's it, you could use auto tune in a way that's not overpowering the way that it was probably on Hot Fuss. So. You can make little fixes here and there. So my guess is that there's probably a little bit, but I I can definitely tell that it's it's him singing and it, yeah. it feels like it's not super heavily affected uh, for the most part. And yeah, I feel like people really have to like point that stuff out <laughs> to me, like mm-hmm. when it's really overdone and it's like it is the effect, of yeah. course. But yeah. like you know, sometimes I'm like I just it's just like it's a suspension of disbelief. It's like. You know, it's like when I listen to punk records, I don't think about like how off time they are. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, everyone's on this journey together. It's like, I don't think about like Van Halen not being to a click track. It's just (laughs) everyone's following Eddie. You know, it's like, you just accept it for what it is. Like, I don't really think about the idea of like something being on a grid or not. Yeah. But I I do respect him like going that route for it and wanting to just just to be like i i want it to be me like and i think that album feels very very much like everyone being them you know like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel heavily edited um it's it's raw for sure i mean obviously it's it's hi-fi but it it, the sounds on it are are tough and raw to me um yeah but then you get the the synthesizer soften things up i think but for the most part it's pretty it's pretty raw record um so i was happy to read that he was insistent on 
not tuning his stuff and having it be more organic. Yeah, it's interesting to think of them as just like you know, a band that could have not have made it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it's like we were kind of saying about the, uh, you know, like a band just comes out of nowhere and you have no way at that time to really easily find the story. I feel like everyone, yeah, <laughs> you're kind of inundated with uh-huh. everyone's story nowadays. But right. like at this time, you're like you know, fuck this band, you know, kind of like as like the vibe when a band feels like they pop out of nowhere. Yeah, it's and they're like just being don't want pushed to, down you know? your throat. Yeah. Which is just yeah. the marketing of the record label doing their job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. <laughs> now I feel like I've shifted. And then I'm like, when I, when I hear about, when I see a band that kind of pops into my, mm-hmm. you know, my view, I'm like, what other bands were they in? You know, like kind of, what's their that's like where my, yeah. yeah. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming now, cause especially when it looks like, people in bands are like you know not like 19 years old you yeah. know i'm like oh you've probably been in like 10 other bands that mm-hmm. almost did and so now this is so if i'm like if i'm like who the fuck are you you know <laughs> like it's it's like you know it's yeah. like it's not really the vibe and these people are probably like toured like crazy yeah you know? like and you don't you don't then see, now you this don't, is their you don't, see, you don't see the history and like what went into making that huge yeah you know what i mean yeah i mean it does happen but, we're like overnight things things are happening for people uh and there's social media these days that are really making that possible for people but most of them and also i think in the pandemic just a lot of young artists they don't they they just put their songs up on their their tiktok and they're huge and they're making money and signing major label record deals where before Bands had to go slog it out at the saloon in in downtown Vegas to nobody and beg to play and book their own tours and struggle basically in order to try yeah. and make it. I mean, the Blood Brothers were unique in the sense that we were we were sort of part of a, a subculture that embraced what we were doing. So we were able to book tours and kind of like do stuff and and get a little bit of a following because we also weren't trying to we weren't trying to make it. It wasn't yeah. like our goal to be professional musicians. We just played in our our punk band and lived in our little world and it got recognized by someone and then we ended up signing a record deal. It's like very, very accidental. But I think a band yeah. like, about a band like The Killers who were just trying to do whatever they could to probably like play a show outside of Vegas. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and weren't part just... weren't necessarily a part of any type of scene that would like nurture it nurture them and they just like figured out some way to do it do it themselves (laughs) yeah i can't imagine what it's like i feel like i've had the uh well i guess the uh privilege of being kind of part of some sort of subculture that i can tap into Mm -hmm. like i mean even if we're saying i can get a show you know but it's like i i don't know what it's like kind of like being outside of like that kind of thing like even if i've been in bands that aren't necessarily punk bands i feel like i'm still tapping into those networks that i've known for yeah what feels like like 20 years you know Mm -hmm. more than 10 years and it's like i maybe this person has shifted over here but i'm still using that same kind of thing so kind of being a band that's like we're like on a bringer show that's like a comedy term but you know it's like in vegas it's like what were you what was that scene like you know kind of just open mic type things or the strip or I, yeah, I, don't know. I I listened to to some podcast with with Ronnie and Brandon and they were talking about there was just like this one venue that 
they would play at and every type of band would play. There was no scene really. It would just be like whatever band wanted to play that night or was available to play. And they would just play there and cut their teeth and, you know, probably find other places to play places to play around Vegas. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't imagine what that was like. And it must, it must feel so gratifying even still for those guys to, to sort of know that they like, they grinded like that. They, they were put through the ringer by major labels and basically got just created this entire sound. I think they created a sound because they're very unique and, and made careers for themselves when they were being told like, no, you're not quite good enough. You don't have the songs. Like you imagine being one of the people that said Mr. Brightside was not like worth releasing yeah you know what i mean like imagine these idiots like they probably still like i i would imagine if that was me and i was somebody who passed on it like maybe i just overlooked it but like someone who maybe really listened to it and was like this is not i'm the tastemaker and this is not where the world is going and then to have to have what happened i think <laughs> it must feel good for the, the dudes and the killers to think about. Yeah. i'm sure they they don't think about it anymore but I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess it'd it's... also be kind of weird if they, I mean, I know that they wouldn't have probably brought the energy of like, no, you don't understand this is a hit. I mean, you think your song is good, but like, you know, it's like, it'd be interesting mm-hmm. if they did, but I assume they're more self-aware that they're like just trying to make something work. Yeah. It is interesting to kind of hear it in hindsight and just not knowing that it's like a good song, but it also makes me think like when we like know people's bands, it's like, like the Killers are a good band. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to take that away from them, yeah. but it's like, it's like with that energy that one could use with a good song. It's like how many of our peers could have been, yeah, because it's it's so much not like a. A lot of it is discovery, you know. Like mm-hmm. so many bands are, like most bands that have done some sort of work. If it's touring, if it's you know doing Garage Band, a lot of times mm-hmm. they put in the work, and they are they are capable of being good, but they just kind of need to be discovered. So it's an interesting thing. Like, it's like what other Mr. Brightsides have someone just said no to. Oh yeah. I I mean, more, more than have succeeded. That's for sure. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. And I, I, I doubt that the killers, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they knew they were onto <laughs> something, wild. but yeah, but maybe they, I, you know, it's, I find it hard to believe they knew that they were sitting on what they were sitting on. Obviously they believed in it because they wouldn't have been doing it, but you know, I, I'm sure they, they probably never imagined what would happen. And I read somewhere that it was essentially like, um, the, f- one of the first two songs they wrote was Mr. Brazen. Really? Damn, that's so <laughs> cool. Which is wild just to come out of the gate just yeah. like that. But also kind of, you know, also looking at this record, it's like this isn't, you know, this isn't a one hit wonder situation. Like yeah. there's so many good tracks on this record. And like if I had explored their discography, I assume they've done it more than that time past, you know. But it's mm-hmm. like, you know, this is a sophomore record that isn't a slump. <laughs> no, know? even though it it's it's crazy to me, though, that it people just didn't like it. Right. People, people were not into it is, is what I'm kind of like experiencing. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't really paying that close attention at mm-hmm. the time, but it seems like they, they really got some backlash for it, which again, is in hindsight, I, I think it's sort of a beloved album at this point. Um, yeah. I kind of want to see like, okay, so I know that this record 
Samstown did uh, went platinum. Mm-hmm. So I think the what was online said like one million three hundred thousand copies. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like how many copies on record did Hot Fuss do? So for something to comparatively Samstown be the uh, you know, the not <laughs> kind of their sophomore slump, which is funny to say, yeah. a platinum record. Then, you know, how many copy? Okay, certifications. <laughs> so three times platinum. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, yes, in that regard, uh, this is a sophomore slump. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, yeah, three times platinum in the U.S. That's what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, it being, I don't know, it's, it's so wild because it's like, I can get, I guess I can get liking, you know, hot fuss and not, but I, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just like the ears work. I don't, I don't yeah, know how to well, articulate. I think, I think that um, the difference to me is hot fuss is, is very, very pop driven, like kind of outwardly where Samstown is obviously a, a, a new wave pop record, but it's also got that like, that americana feel that maybe a lot of their like younger top 40 hits fans didn't quite understand or know and so that that's the only explanation i can think of is that it was too like too rock and roll or something or too too americana yeah for, i guess i'm probably for like I'm the, not for the, the right, te- for the yeah. teeny boppers you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah so i'm not the right i'm definitely not the right test market for because i'm just like yeah you're... i don't know i mean i feel like comparatively i'm like i like this better but i'm also you know came into this being like i hear the bruce springsteen so yeah. then yeah then i'm so... already not the kind of like mm-hmm. pop sensibility thing mm-hmm. it's like oh it's hitting me in a way that i can imagine i guess they still call them classic rock radios which is funny um, I guess this is classic rock at this point, but you know, I'm They're like, this feels now. like it would fit <laughs> in to that kind of programming. Like if you threw in, you know, when you were young or Samstown, uh, you know, so many songs from this record, like mm-hmm. I feel like it could go from Boston into the killers yeah. and I wouldn't question it that much. It feels like it kind of fits into this American songbook thing that I wouldn't have expected. Now I'm kind of thinking of myself before I said yes to picking this record and then now mm-hmm. hearing myself saying that it fits in an American songbook. Yeah. Is but like, interesting. It, but like if you listen yeah. to maybe like somebody told me, like you might not wouldn't necessarily have that same effect. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That kind of more dancey kind of beat. And yeah. Like a, I don't want to say disco, but it, you know, it kind of has that kind of mm-hmm. vibe to it. So yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Interest, interesting to think of this as their sophomore slump, and I guess by numbers, <laughs> it just technically is. Yeah, technically it is, but I don't think it it really changed things for them like negatively necessarily because they're yeah. still crushing. So you were kind of mentioning like you know uh, Jaguar Love, and you know kind of like I guess going into a shift in mm-hmm. your songwriting, I guess would be a yeah. way to put it. Do you feel like this album specifically has influenced your songwriting mm-hmm. to the present? I I would say that it definitely does. I mean, in in the project I have right now, J.R. Slayer, uh, it's it's certainly this record specifically from them is 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 pretty influential. I think um, I got I got really into them the synthesizer stuff. I was I was working in a studio in Seattle with Pat Monahan from the band Train. 
And okay. I, I was like demoing songs and writing with him and it was really cool, but he would travel a lot. And then I just would like have time in the studio. And so I really, I, I was really super into Sam's town and, and I had all these synthesizers and I was like, man, let me just like start playing with synthesizers. So that was kind of like, I feel like they, they had a lot to do with me kind of embracing that in rock and roll. Like obviously synth has always been something that's in punk rock and, and, and in my bands and Jaguar love was very synth heavy, which I think Johnny had a lot to do with introducing me to as well. Um, but I, I just something about the way that they piece songs together and like the, the, their bridges are always like really amazing. And it, I just, I still, and it's been really fun to go back and start listening to this record a lot too, because I'm writing a lot currently for JR Slayer. So I'm like, I'm definitely finding myself like, like inspecting their songs closely and thinking about the song, the material that I'm writing and being like, okay, what would, what would like, what would the killers do right now for this bridge? Because I feel like they, they took a lot of time and making sure that their bridges were really impactful and almost as powerful as choruses and their, their, their pre-choruses and post-choruses are sometimes hard to tell what's what. And um, so I, I definitely think that they've, they've made their way into the fabric of my, my playing and my writing in, in JR Slayer for sure. Yeah. And, and I feel like, uh, you know, like but blood brothers were to me like a pretty adventurous mm-hmm. kind of punk band. So, so maybe not, maybe not as like close minded as I kind of explained, you yeah. know, my sentiment. And, uh, but do you ever kind of like look at, you know, like you mentioned, you were just like working with the guy from train. Do you ever like look at that and you're like, I don't know if kid me would have been able to appreciate that situation. Like working Mm -hmm. with, do you think there was ever a point where you, if you would have told yourself at a young age, like the guy from train, what are you talking about? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Sister dude. Yeah. I would have laughed. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, but now at my age, I'm like, cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know what? Like that guy, I had never really been exposed to anyone who made music for uh, on the level that that guy did. Right. Yeah. Like, and sort of experiencing the way he writes and the way like he looks at songs. And I learned so much about writing just a pop song or just a song in general by based on like trying to piece things together with him. And it, it definitely put my mind in more of like a, uh, more traditional songwriting mentality, which, which I don't like adhere to all the time, but it certainly was kind of my introduction to that because I also had never sang in a band. I never fronted a band. I just like, I was a guitar player in the band all the time. And yeah. so like, I kind of, I I created the beginnings of J.R. Slayer in his studio, but I didn't actually like start doing it until many years later. Um, I just kind of like made a bunch of songs. And uh, so that to me, working with that dude was was monumental in terms of like now when I look at like I'm writing a song, I'm like, oh, like I learned I learned this like little trick from Pat or, you know, yeah. and if, if I listen to to a band like The Killers and I want to like dissect what they're doing and and see where I think they succeeded in a song, like I feel that I have I have some experience now to find those those aspects in a song that made it interesting yet still fit the framework of like, what's just traditionally like a well-written song. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, um, so was J.R. Slayer, was that, because I know it kind of, you know, uh, works as like a band now. There's people in the band yeah. pictures, but was was it originally started as like your vehicle? Yeah, I, initially, because <clears throat> I, when when Jack, and I'm using that in quotes. I don't. I don't. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. It was a solo. It's been a solo project pretty much up until very recently. Um, I in Jaguar Love. We sort of dissolved. Uh, just we didn't really break up. We just kind of stopped playing. And then I spent a number of years trying to be like a touring musician, and it it ended up being pretty pretty damn hard. So I kind of set my guitar down not really like i'm gonna quit playing music but my the way my life went i just had to figure out other ways to to survive and to to make money so i kind of stopped writing or really pursuing songs or being in a band like i just wasn't in the band anymore which was like my entire identity since i was 15 when i started the blood brothers i was like the guy in a band and yeah. so you know I, I for a few years i i just got into doing production work. I worked on a TV show and then I started tour managing bands and I've just been doing that the last few years. And um, in that time, a friend of mine in Los Angeles had heard some of the songs that I had written. I just played them for him. He's like, you need to do a band. And then he kind of inspired me to, to put a show together. And I just started recording and taking my songs. I was like, you know what? I'm like, I need to do with music what I used to do, which was was give to it and not worry about what it's giving back to me. And hmm. I just started doing that, man. I I because I had tons of songs, like hard drives of songs, and I still do that like probably I'll never even listen to, but I just it's like I want to start putting this somewhere. So I started recording myself and I figured out how to use TuneCore and started releasing music and would play shows from time to time. I had like a group of people that that would play in the band with me and it really was just became a very a hobby basically that that really gave me a lot of uh joy yeah yeah i guess this is kind of i feel like there's always a part in uh in these episodes where i start projecting myself into yeah it, cool like there's a lot of like recently probably because of the pandemic it's like i've always mm. been like in a band like i started out as just a singer i taught myself yeah bass i'm slowly kind of catching up on guitar and things mm. and like but I have been like a songwriter, but usually I have a partner in the band. Yeah. So to kind of like be in the pandemic and think about like, you know, like, oh, what would a song sound like if I built it all the way? You yeah. know, and that's like, and I've done it before, but like usually I I just didn't show that to anybody or like right. I have someone eventually be like, hey, take this, throw it all away and kind of do whatever you want off the bones of it. But yeah. kind of like that feeling of kind of going from the ground level to like, is so much harder than anything I've ever done musically. And so yeah. I'm guessing, I'm kind of assuming that that's probably what J.R. Slayer felt like, you know? Yeah, I, I, if I wanted to complete anything and, and because I had the tools to, I, I knew how to record and I can play the bass and I can use keys and I learned to program drums and things like that. I just like, okay, like, I'm just going to do this all myself because I can. It was never really like, I want to have control over everything. It was yeah. more like, well, there's nobody in this bedroom with me and I'm just going to like, I'm just going to start making music. And yeah, and I'm at the point now where like, I, I'm desperate for 
you know, collaboration and help. And, and that's the, the first time it happened was on the EP with, with Will Yip that we did. And it, it was the first time I was like, someone's collaborating. We're like changing songs around and uh, making up new parts. And he had melodies, ideas, and that kind of really made me feel like, oh, like I really, I need a band. Like, and I think bands, they just, you can't create something unique without a band. I, I really I don't know. I, I want to make, yeah. I want to create a sound and you can't create the sound. That's just you. Like that's boring. That's so boring to me. Yeah. It always feels boring, <laughs> but I always like when I'm personally doing, I'm like, this all feels too much me. Yeah. It's you know? Just, and then I've like, then line. I would just never, <laughs> yeah, it all yeah. feels. Cause it's like, I'm only interacting with something as if I would have interacted yeah. with and it. There's, like, there's, so. there's, there's nothing that you could ever do alone to recreate like standing in a room with another person and accidentally hitting a weird note or playing a, a drum beat a certain way that you, and then being like wait what was that and then it just all suddenly you're going like this and then now you're you're going like this and it can usually it can often lead to nothing but i think the most the, the greatest songs and 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 bands really create their sound together even if there is a leader or somebody who's doing 90 percent of the the heavy lifting like having you know ronnie ronnie play like how do you say his last name ronnie ronnie venucci like yeah i'm sure for brandon like just having that guy play the way he plays like and in, must inform so much of of what happens in in their room in their writing process and you can't just program that yourself or necessarily sit down by yourself and play it because you got to play off of each other like how do you make yeah. some, how do you make something special without other people i just it's it's i don't know <laughs> yeah i was for some reason i was thinking about like how the guy from boston like kind of controlled every aspect of it but it's yeah. like but still at the end of it he still had even if he did it it's still he wasn't the singer you know so it's mm -hmm. like there still is a thing i don't know why i grabbed for boston yeah, but, yeah. you know um just kind of that thought because you know it's it's it, what what makes me think of uh kind of a the inverse to that though is like you toured you were the touring guitarist with cold cave for are you are you uh tour? i i did one tour yeah oh, with, okay with so. with cold cave yeah we like and what west what west and i like we we had written some material together we wrote some songs and I did a tour with him and then, you know, I, I think he, at the time, uh, it was, it was just not really financially viable to, to have this big, this big band like he wanted. And so it's sort of dispersed and he kind of like went back to the sort of just two synthesizer like model for, for what he was doing. Um, but, and then obviously now they have, they have like a big band and they're, they, they crush, but, but yeah. yeah, it was just one tour. Well, it's interesting to think like, because sometimes when I think of like hearing music that feels like a singular person, like a lot the early Cold Cave stuff, mm -hmm. it's like, that's what I wish I could accomplish, you know, and that kind of like, this is a singular person, right? but it doesn't, it never feels that way when it, yeah. and I'm just like, yeah. no, I can feel too much. That's the, that's the tape there. Mm -hmm. That's the, you know, thing. And I'm just like, that's too much. Yeah. Me. And it, it, it can, you know? it can happen where it, where it's great and you make something really special on your own. Like I, I definitely don't want to discount people who are able to do it all themselves. You know, I, I feel like I was one of those people and 
just because I had to, not really by choice, but yeah, I, I but that I, could be because you feel I probably the same thing is I feel like I can see the wires and I feel like it's like, mm-hmm. maybe you feel like you can see the wires. So it's like, if someone listened to something you did 100% without any other collaborations, they yeah. wouldn't see it the way that you would, but you're always like, uh, yeah, for sure. Know? I just, I just know from experience that the magic, the magic happens when you're with other people. Even if it's yeah, hard, I, like the magic, the magic is yeah. there. Like you, you create something special. I think when you, when you I hate that that feels so true. Like, I know. because like, <laughs> I think about like, you know, a bandmate or probably most of the time I'm the cranky one, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah. I think about those things and I'm like, I don't, that's why I want to write music by myself, yeah. but I can't, I can't help, but like, you don't want the drama, you know, but it's also, yeah, it's, it's also, like, it's, it's where that, it that pain, that pain creates that struggle comes through in the music as long as you can harness it. And, and to me, that's, that's when really special stuff happens. So I'm, I'm working on basically just trying to get, get the band together and start writing all together. And that's, that's when cool things happen. Yeah. And I guess just thinking about it, like if you were to, because this is a 44 minute long record and I actually, I don't feel like there's anything that I would cut, but if you had to cut one song from the album, what do you feel like it would Mm -hmm. be from Sam's Town? I've thought a lot about this because this is just like something I'm always thinking about, like albums (laughs) that are are perfect start to finish. And this is definitely one, but honestly, if if there was one song I feel like maybe could have, could have taken a back seat i and i hesitate to say this because there's aspects of the song that i i think are are so rad that they they put on their record uh is uncle johnny and i i, <laughs> I think uncle johnny like it oh it, yeah yeah it's, it's got, got that weird got this thing. Like crazy it's... guitar intro and but the thing that i like about it is that it's 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 dangerous for the record and it you know, I'm sure it's one that like a record exec probably would have been like, what's this song doing on here? Cause it's not a, it's not a single. It's clearly not a single. And, but when I listen, when you break it down, it's there's, there's so many cool parts in it and it rocks so hard, but I, I would say that that would be the only one I, I could probably let go of if I had to. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it has like a, uh, like a pub sing-along and the, yeah. the big like hook is like that's it's like kind of strange that it has that kind of like pub rock kind of mm-hmm. but then it also but then it also has like the where like the bridge kicks in and it's just like this this huge like yeah like maybe like party like sing-along or something and like to me it's it's really impactful once it gets to that point um but i i also just kind of feel like may maybe they it wasn't necessary because a, a 40 minute record, it would be great too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was, this was probably the other end of it, but there was like a time frame where it was like, if your record wasn't like 50 minutes, it's like, you need to go write another song. And I, it's, it's so mm-hmm. strange that I feel like we're now on the side of like, it's like, if your record can be 30 minutes, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, yeah, and because uh, I was thinking about it, like as a kid, I I feel like I just flipped over CDs and and I was like, wait, which one has more songs? Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, I, I only have ten bucks. I've always thought that like thirty six minutes is the perfect album length because it's it's the album length where it can 
you can listen to it and it, you can start it over right away and not be exhausted and like get through yeah. it. Like I, I just, I've always thought that was like a great, even though I know, I know 45 minutes is like kind of the standard, like LP length or whatever. But I mean, yeah. the first and blood brothers records were like 20 minutes long. I remember like people giving a shit, like these are EPs. These aren't albums. That's <laughs> like, what? No, that's our record. <laughs> yeah but i feel uh, what's interesting about that because you know it's like like joyce manor always has kind of the same yeah. conversations their records are pretty short yeah but like, i love their I, their most recent record i, I think it's amazing and it's, yeah. it is really short it comes and goes <laughs> they still like, do it like i feel like yeah. they still really barely get over i don't even know if they get close to 30 uh, but they kind of have that kind of thing um mm -hmm. but it's yeah it's i feel like there's a thing even with them because it's like 10 or more songs or like 10 i'm just like no that's a complete document you know like yeah. it's, it's either like it's either like your if your record is 40 minutes long but it has six tracks i'm like cool mm -hmm. that's you know because even like when i look at like yes re early yes records and stuff mm -hmm. some of those aren't as long as you would think it's just oh, really? there are 12 minute long songs on them yeah. but there's only six tracks you mm -hmm. know and so people you know will think that you need it i feel like you'll know when you need to make a 44 minute long yeah record, you know yeah. <laughs> but i'm definitely i'm definitely like excited to to do what whatever's next because we just did you know the 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 record on memory is it's an ep it's it's five songs it's it's short i want to do something more substantial uh yeah. not necessarily a 50 minute album but i do want to make a, a a piece of music that is feels more substantial even though it's not it's not really like the way people listen to music these days uh i i still think it's important yeah i so that's that's interesting you brought that up i know people kind of talk about it. i feel like i'll see like kind of um let's say older rock stars really everyone says this but it's like i'm thinking of like billy corgan it's like no one needs to release a record anymore i'm like well and you don't I mean, <laughs> you don't and also like your records are always two hours long yeah so you don't need to do that anymore but right. also like two things can be true you know it's right. like i still think like the best parts of a full-length record are those kind of songs that will never be singles mm -hmm. like you know that's kind of feelings where you're able to kind of like relax some and that that's like the best parts probably what you're itching for was putting out a record it's like because when you're doing an EP, you're like, these have to be the best songs. Yeah, you know? it's like you're you're trying yeah. to really make everything as impactful as possible, which which should be the goal always. But also, I think albums can they can ebb and flow, and they should have peaks and valleys, and there should be a story that gets told that that so that when you listen to it, you you go through all the different emotions, um, and that's that's lost on an EP because it's hard to do that. You just kind of have to like figure out the best sequence of it and. It's just like it's over before you know it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what's interesting is I've seen people be like, kind of, they kind of will buck against the idea that like we're kind of in a singles culture again with like mm -hmm. streaming. And so, so they'll buck against it and be like, yeah. I'm only going to do an album. I don't want to do any single rollouts. And it's like, yeah, well, that's just know. not smart. I, I, <laughs> it's not. Smart. Yeah, I know. I know dumb people, but, you know, I, I get it and I, I think it's cool, but it's not you're probably not doing yourself any favors if you're going to try to just be a Luddite and like 100 yeah, percent. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I understand. And I in a way I hate it, too, because it's yeah. like I love albums. Right. You know, but it's like you got to kind of play the system more and be like, 
this is an album, but I'm going to roll it out as the way it seems yeah. that the industry is accepting. I can't change the industry. Yeah. I can't change the way people perceive things. So I think I think that, I think that, I think that the single it? rollout is fun too. It's like it is. you get to not only like extend the amount of time that you get to do stuff and talk about stuff, but like you get to kind of like give little get get little nuggets out and and see like see them ha- like exist on their own and then build like some anticipation for for the whole piece of uh, of art and i think that's pretty cool but some artists i know they're just like i'm only releasing singles like i'm not doing an album like because they don't see the value in it which which is fair uh but i don't think that's not really what i want to do I think what's interesting and kind of short-sighted with that, I mean, I'm going to say all this with anyone listening to me talk. I don't, I've never been in like a a successful band of that type, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, but I feel like if you, if you feel like it's not necessary, there is store sort of a back-end packaging that you could do on like the long-term end of it. And like, if you just keep releasing records, then if we're looking at things digitally, then you just have a bunch of singles. So eventually, couldn't you just make that into a record? I know that's kind of cheap. Probably. But like, yeah. you could just compile it. And then if people do discover you in the way that they would, even if we're talking about Billy Corgan, mm-hmm. I assume a 2022 diehard Smashing Pumpkins fan would still accept that collection of singles as oh, an album. totally. Yeah. And they don't know in the back end, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. So, I, I don't know. Everybody's everyone's trying to figure it out and and do their thing and i i kind of feel like i want to be doing a mix of it because i i like the idea of just releasing some singles and obviously we made an we had a discussion about an ep versus an album when we went into the studio and ultimately we decided on on the ep because we could really like dive in and focus on the songs rather than have to like blow through 10 songs we were able to dissect five songs and really and really work on them and get into the minutiae of the songs and work on the the performances and and all of that which was something i've never really done before especially with this project like sat in the studio and reworked really reworked and worked on melodies and and all of that so yeah i mean that is a unique gift do you feel like you kind of like at this point in your, you know, musical career, you kind of do you kind of look at things and sort of projects like that? Like it's like I'd like to accomplish this, mm-hmm. and you know, what do you feel like that was what you kind of thought going into it, or was that an afterthought? Honestly, I wasn't totally sure. I I was so like just had so much gratitude and excitement to to have somebody be like, I want to bring you to Philadelphia and record you in my studio, and because I just was not. I, I feel like it was just, I, I got very like fortunate to even be there. So I was just excited. And I also really wanted to like, to trust my producer. Like, you're like, you know what? Yeah. Like this, this guy is, he's got his thing going. And and because of what he's doing, he has the ability to, to take someone like me, who's like, kind you know, nobody knows who I am, like what I'm doing. Obviously I have a history in music, but this project is, it's not, it's not like he's, needs to he doesn't need it to survive and and to take the chance to put the time in i was like i want to listen to this guy i want to like work with him and and respect his craft and his trade that he's built his whole life around so that was really fun because previously it was always like 
oh yeah, well, you're going to work with our band because we're our band. And obviously there's a producer artist relationship, but I always felt like we, my bands were in the driver's seat, you know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of like control. And I was really open to just like, Will, like, what do you want to do? Like, what songs do you want to do? Like, let's figure it out. Like I sent him a bunch of music and he basically just handpicked like six songs and we, we chose five of them. And, oh. you know, I gave him a song that had no, no melody, no lyrics. And he was like, and we didn't talk about this. He was like, what about this one? I, I came up with these melodies and I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Like, like no ego, like this is really cool. Like let's collaborate. And so I would write lyrics on the spot and like, you know, take it home, work on lyrics, come back. And then, you know, he, he wrote a whole bridge to, to the song back when that I wasn't expecting when I showed up and he had like done, done a little demo of it. And I was like, this is, this is fucking rad. Like, yeah, yes. So I, I, I just really wanted to stay open to, to his expertise and wisdom. And also like, I, I want the, I want the songs to be better. Like I, I don't need to necessarily be the, the end all be all for, for the songs, yeah. you know, I think that's how you hurt, hurt your music. Um, do you feel like, I, I guess what's astounding, you mentioned the word ego and I hope I articulate this, this mm -hmm. correctly. Um, do you feel like it took you a while to get to that place kind of to get, cause I feel like I'm hearing you being so open and <laughs> this is why I want to make sure I say it right, but yeah. it's like being the background you have and the amount of bands you've done and your, your thing, I wouldn't have been surprised or even have been like, I would have accepted it and mm -hmm. I would have been fine with it. If you had more of a vibe of like, don't you know who am oh. I saying that right? You yeah, know, like, I, it's yes. like, no, I, I do get, I do get what you're saying. And I think I probably because of the space I've had from doing it also, like I, I kind of just wanted to let the process happen and, and see where it went. You know, I, I do think in future recordings, I'll probably I'll probably be more vocal um, about things that I feel or want or uh, the way that I think things should go. Um, that said, I 100% I will always be down to, to allow other people to make things better. Um, yeah. And, and take people's ideas and criticisms to heart. And, um, but I think when in, in this studio session, I honestly, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm in such discovery mode with the project. And so I don't, I don't, I probably wasn't as confident as like I could, could have been or, or should have been, or, you know what I mean? Um, and so I was really kind of looking to be led a little bit and, um, I learned a lot from it. I learned so much. Yeah. Like I, like Will taught me so much about singing that, cause I'm just like, not, I've never been a strong singer. It's I've never been the front man. Like, and we started doing it because it was the only way I could make songs and, and yeah. actually finish them. And, um, you know, he really, he really helped me learn things about singing that I didn't know, like just taught me about uh, like uh, envisioning the note that you want to sing or, cause I just get up there and sing and he's like, okay, like, <laughs> like yeah. think about the, the note that you're going to hit. And to me, that was really cool. Um, being able to, to, to get that wisdom from him just that little bit even. So. Yeah. I feel like I've known that he is, uh, I feel like I'm, that's curious. It's, it's interesting to me to hear that like he will push people that much. It's not that I didn't know that he, mm -hmm. I knew that he pushed bands, but 
the kind of creative things you're telling me that he's able to like kind of get out of you or other people, you know, I would assume. Yeah. Then that that's, I don't know. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, it, it feels it's... like a, not like in like a, uh, you know, you hear those kind of stories of producers that, mm-hmm. you know, that are like, you know, like the, the drummer from hole where it's like, they basically replaced her. And essentially you, you people that record drums for like a week and then they get kicked off and the guy from yeah. white snake or whatever comes on, you know, yeah. those kind of things. It's yeah. like that, that method of being a producer is like not really what people do anymore. Mm-hmm. And to kind of hear it come from a more like nurturing place with will yep is yeah he's 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 definitely like a a great cheerleader and also he just he brings so much experience to the table and i think if you're if you're open to it you can really utilize that and um i don't know i I think that he just he just really Mm. brought out the best in, in in my singing for sure and so that that new J.R. Slayer uh, EP, what's the mm-hmm. title? It's called Not Rotten. Okay. Yeah. And um, and so what do you have coming up with J.R. Slayer or any projects? Um, right now we're we're like in the midst of a little mini tour with the band Seosin, um, which is which is Anthony Green, and you know they've worked with Will in the past, so there's kind of that connection, which is really fun. Um, but I'm also really just, you know, I'm writing a ton. I, I I have so much new material that I'm excited to start working on, but really we just want to be playing shows. I'm trying to, trying to play as many shows as we can. I don't, I don't currently have anything on the books right now for the rest of the year, but it's, it's still developing. Yeah. Um, and I guess so that we, um, actually talk about, you know, the killers for a second. So I know we did the, uh, what song would you cut? Mm-hmm. Then what song do you feel like if you only had one song from the record would you would you pick? Uh, I think it would have to be "This River Is Wild" for sure. That, that is a good one. That, I feel song, like I'm like I feel sleep, it's a sleeper, amazing one. I think that's why. Yeah, I feel like it feels silly, but I'm like, when you were young, is a really good song. Like mm-hmm. that's almost, that's like my pick, but I'm like, I know that's like the single, but it's like yeah. Ah. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's amazing. I just this river is wild. I forget I forget about it until I get to it every time, and then I'm just like, holy shit! This this chorus is out of control. Yeah, but that kind of. Oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. The the bass kind of picking up with the chorus on that part uh, mm-hmm. when it's kind of lifting up and yeah. the bass is kind of lifting up with it is like you know crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. But my second pick would probably be either for reasons unknown or read my mind. Hmm. Those are yeah. like just other bangers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, but I, so I guess before I truly let you go, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, man. Uh, so you know, fun. It, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, where can people find you online? Um, I have my Instagram tag is JR Slayer Jams. Uh, we have, have Bandcamp for the album and your normal Spotify, Apple music stuff. So I don't have like a proper website for it Do yet. Do people need those? Anymore? I don't, that's, I don't know. Like I had it a long time ago cause I thought it would be fun. And then I was like, why am I paying for this? So I, I stopped doing it, but. But I guess it still does give one place for people to go because I do have this problem with bands where the, I'm trying to figure out where they're where like where they're playing mm-hmm. and kind of the aesthetics now like Instagram will be like because of the algorithm yeah. will be a person's picture and I'm like I'm actually just trying to find your fucking shows you know and then like I, I feel like I can't because nobody has a website yeah. so I guess I'm contradicting myself mm-hmm. personally I'm like I don't know if you need websites but I'm also trying to find 
one singular place I can like find information about a band. Yeah. So I guess I'm I'm uh, advocating in this moment for a website for a, for a website. I yeah, and I would like to have one, and I I probably will soon. But uh, right now I'm just I'm just going with the the standards, the standard socials and and Bandcamp. Well, thanks so much once again. I appreciate. Yeah, man, it. I appreciate it. So fun. Welcome back. Thanks again to Cody for coming on the pod. It was a pleasure to chat. Please check out the new J.R. Slayer EP, Not Rotten, right now. Okay, next time we're talking with my Patreon co-host and editor of the pod, Sarah Blumenthal. We sat down to talk about Juliana Theory, so tune in next week. On that note, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at SpinningOutPod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and reviews definitely help. Thanks, as always, to Sarah for editing the pod, and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.